We're going to be in Joshua, Joshua chapter 4 this morning, Joshua chapter 4. We're going to read a few verses together. And we, church, just finished our 40th anniversary celebration. And it's obvious. Um, and also I've thought about now we spent an entire month celebrating 40 years, God bringing us to this point. So we did a, a, a fast, we did a night of worship, we did a day of service, we did a church family picnic, we did a gala, we did one huge all congregational service. And now you get to this point where all of that's done and you're like, what now? And I considered that this was all a time to celebrate. This was just like one long birthday month celebration. And now we're 40. We're 40 years old as a church. I considered what the importance of being 40 means in the Bible. And if you've been around here for a little bit, you've thought about what that means, which is why we're going to look at Joshua. This is a time where the Israelites now have been in Egypt. They've been set free by God. They went through the wilderness for 40 years. And now a new leader has risen up after Moses named Joshua. And after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they come into what's known as their promised land, the land that God promised that he would give to them. And as we look at 40 years, I want us to take a look at what the scripture says and what I believe is so crucial, the faith that we need to have in this season in our church for what's ahead. Joshua chapter four, verse three through seven. And it says this, and command them saying, take the 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. And bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that the stones shall be, a, shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. What I want to speak about for the next few minutes that we're together and what I want to uh, title this message is yet still greater. Remember, I want to speak about three things. One, the importance of remembering Two, the intention of remembering and three, the end of remembering. Will you pray with me for a minute? Lord Jesus, we love you. And this is all for you. God, we're asking that you would speak to us in a special way. We right now submit to you as Lord and affirm the authority of scripture over our lives. Asking for you to speak to your church. 
God, to open our ears and our eyes to hear and see and understand everything that you might want to say to us today. You're in charge. This is your church. Lead us. Father, if you're not glorified in any other place, be glorified in this place. And if you're not glorified in any other heart, be glorified in this heart. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yet still greater, remember. Remember, there is... A huge emphasis on our memory and remembering throughout the church, throughout history, and even throughout scripture. That remembering is so crucial to the life of a believer that we find it all throughout the Bible. The Old Testament is filled with Israel remembering and then forgetting and remembering and forgetting and remembering and forgetting. The disciples, even as they're walking with Jesus... You find them remembering what he has done in great moments of faith or maybe forgetting what he has done, like when they're in the boat and Jesus asks, where has your faith gone? Remembering and forgetting, remembering and forgetting, remembering and forgetting. Now, the remembering that we're going to be talking about today is a certain kind of remembering. I was researching and there are almost two different types of memory that we have as people. There's a memory that's focused on facts, which is this idea of um, remembering, how do they put it? The storage of information. And that's the type of stuff where we can memorize the periodic table, we know theorems, we know state capitals, we know facts about history. The storage of information is something that we all know how to do. We can recall facts. But there's also a different kind of remembering which is called the notion of remembering, which is remembering experiences, engaging more than just your mind in remembering, but actually engaging your whole body into remembering. In a way, if the storage of information is remembering in your brain, then the notion of remembering is remembering in your heart. It's this idea that you can remember facts and you can know things about God, but do you truly know God? That you can remember in your head, but do you remember in your heart? This type of remembering that we're talking about today is the notion of remembering. A remembering that engages your entire soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That you remember it in your head, yes, but it also conjures up a feeling inside of your, you emotionally. That it also changes the way that you act moving forward. This isn't just recalling information about God and what he has done, although that's great. This is the notion of remembering that goes deep within my soul. The notion of remembering. Why? Because remembering is important. And maybe even, dare I say, what you choose to remember might even be more important. The testimony of your past and the hope of your future always come together for faith in the present. If you look in scripture, it's true, even with the people of God. The testimony of their past is that people right here in Joshua chapter 4, they remember 
that God brought me out of Egypt and he brought me through the wilderness. And that was the testimony of their past. And the hope of their future is that God promised us that he would bring us into the promised land. The hope of their future now comes together for faith in the present. Why? Because I truly believe that our faith to move forward comes from remembering the Lord. The faith that you need to move forward in your purpose and in your calling will come from your ability to remember the Lord. The faith for all of us corporately to move forward in what God has for us as a church and as a body will come from our ability to remember the Lord. They had the testimony of Egypt, the testimony of the wilderness, and the hope of Canaan, the hope of the promised land that now came together. Now they were believing and activating their faith for where they were right now. See, the issue is that some of us believe still that faith is just meant for then. I use my faith for something I want in the future, for something God has in the future, for something that isn't now. But that's not primarily where faith Faith is supposed to be exercised. Faith ought to be exercised, not just then, but now. Not just for something that might come, but for something that is. And Israelites are at this point where they don't just need faith for what's going to happen in the promised land. They need faith for what's happening now. They're in front of the Jordan, now have crossed over. But guess what? Just because they've crossed over the Jordan doesn't mean that they don't have any more battles to be fought. They have Jericho that is standing in front of them, giants that are before them, battles that they need to fight. And what happens is that they need now, God is conjuring up in them, saying, you need to remember what I've done for you for the faith that you need right now. Saying, gather up some stones. What you remember is important because our faith to move forward comes from remembering him. People say that hindsight is twenty twenty. People say that the best is yet to come. That's always focusing on the past. This is always focusing on the future. But what about now? The faith to move forward, the faith we need for now, the faith that's exercised today comes from our ability to remember how he's been yesterday. Because present faith can be kind of hard. It can be easy to think and pray and believe God that he's going to make the bad things stop later, that tomorrow will be better than today. It's easy to think something else then when it doesn't affect you now. But oftentimes God isn't just trying to deliver you by his grace. He's trying to give you a grace to endure in the current season that you're in. And oftentimes we just think that God wants to pluck me out of the thing and place me in a good thing. When maybe the good thing that he's trying to place in you will come from the bad situation that you're already in. What if God wants to form something in you now and just doesn't want to take you out of the bad thing that you're in? He's saying there's, there's a faith that's exercised for tomorrow. But there's also a faith that's exercised for today. And both of those faith come from our ability to remember him. Why? Because our faith will shape our perspective. Our faith is going to shape the way that we see things. And some of us know that. We know, and God has blessed you with an amazing memory. And you have an amazing, you can remember so many specific facts and stories and events and history. But the issue is that you use your memory to remember just the horrible things. 
You know somebody like that who has a great memory, but all they remember is all the times that people failed them or all the times that God didn't come through or all the times that they were let down or all the times that somebody else failed or they failed and they use their memory to recount all of the negative things instead of the positive things. You might have a great memory, but you might be using it for the wrong thing. Why? Because the way that we remember is important because our memory shapes our perspective. We say, man, I'm going to remember the the negative things because I'm never going to let somebody treat me like that again. I'm going to prove them wrong. Exactly what they said I wouldn't be, that's what I'm going to be. I remember how they failed me, so now I don't trust people anymore. I care for me, myself, and I because every time I did trust somebody, they took advantage of me. I'm not going to do that anymore. And here's the thing. We think that we're protecting ourselves, but we're actually imprisoning ourselves. We think that me not trusting you and remembering all the bad things that somebody else has done or the ways that God didn't come through or the things that I have failed in protects me from you, protects me from that, protects me from failure. When in reality, it's putting you in a prison where now you can't even experience love anymore. You think you're protecting yourself. You think you're guarding yourself, but you're really not. You're only remembering the negative things. And when you're only remembering the negative things, you won't even open up yourself to experience the positive things. They'll never walk over me again. Well, yeah, but you'll never have another meaningful relationship again. Yeah, but I can't can't trust anybody. They always let me down. Well, then nobody's going to be there when you need someone to pick you up. We have a great memory, but sometimes we just use it for negative things. We remember all the things that didn't happen, all the things that went wrong, all the ways that they failed. And that's why the scriptures are so um, emphasized so heavily. It's important where you place your mind and what you remember. The scriptures say, set your mind on things above, not on things below. Why? Because it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Where your mind goes, you go. So if your mind is set on things below, guess where you're going? If your mind is set on things above, guess where you're going? If your mind is set on the negative things, guess where you're going? Why? Because your remembering shapes your perspective. We always or tend to remember the negative things thinking they're going to protect us. But when in reality, they actually don't. What you remember matters because... Your remembering shapes your perspective. And as we move forward, we think, well, okay, for me to go into what God has for me, just like the Israelites, they're passing over into the promised land. I need God to do this, 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 and this. Or I need God to take away that, 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 and that. And where I've found is that God is focusing far more on giving them the right perspective than actually giving them another miracle. Why? Because sometimes I don't think our issue is a miracle problem. I think our issue is a memory problem. You don't need another miracle. You need a better memory. You don't need God to do something new for you. You need to remember what God has already done for you. Because God can keep on giving you miracles, but if you don't remember any of them, 
That's why he's telling the Israelites. He's saying, no, no, no. I've done all of these things. The plagues, the manna, the water, the Ten Commandments. I've given you everything. And now do you know what he's telling them to do? He's saying, remember that. Remember it all. Set up stones. Take stones from the Jordan. uh, 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 Stack them on top of each other so that you'll have a memorial of what I've done for you. We don't have a miracle problem. We have a memory problem. We're choosing not to remember all of the things that God has actually done for us. Wow. We don't need God to do another thing. We need to remember the things that he's already done. Because we don't need something new. We need perspective for now. It's like when you go to the doctor and you get a prescription. They say, man, I'm not sleeping good. I really need you to help me out with this. Like, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I'm restless or I'm anxious or I'm I'm tired all the time. It's just, it's just not working out. And the doctor gives you a prescription to do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, got it. You go home and you come back maybe a few months later for your checkup. And then you come back and doctor's like, well, what'd you do? And you come back and you're like, I did A, B, and C. And doctor's like, well, that's not what I told you to do. That's not going to help you. Why? Because you were looking not for actually a true prescription on what you needed. You were just looking on for something new. You're just looking for something to make you feel better in the meantime. And sometimes I consider places and spaces in our lives where we're actually looking for a miracle when we just need to remember. We just need to remember what God has done for us. We don't need God to do another thing for us. You don't need another vacation to Cancun for the eighth time. You need to set up healthy rhythms of rest in your life. You might not need another raise at your job. You might need to learn how to steward your money. You might not need all of the toxic people to get out of your life. You might need to learn how to conflict, reserve conflict healthily. You might be asking for a miracle, but you might just need to have a better memory. Remember what God has told you to do. Remember what God has already done for you. Because sometimes God is going to draw you back to that before he gives you something else. Your memory shapes your perspective. And your memory doesn't just shape your perspective. Your memory actually shapes your living It shapes the way that you go about everything in your life. You ever uh, uh, been somewhere that you used to be or a place that you used to go and it immediately brings you back to that place? Like you smell grass and it takes you back to football or or you look at at, at a piano and it takes you back to your first recital or you go to um, a a national park for me and it takes you back to this certain place. Or for me, I loved acting and I see a theater and it just reminds me of when I was acting in college or you just have this idea that whatever you remember, it shapes your living. How you remember things shapes what you do. And the reason why God is so, is harping so much on this is God is, God says, God says, God thought what you remember is so important that he had them set up a memorial stone so that it wouldn't just change their perspective, but it would change their way of life. I was, um, I remember this story in 1990, uh, Michael Jordan was, been in the league for a while. And as he's been in the league for a while, he was like, people had known him. They said, oh man, he's, he's the guy. Like he's the next one. He's going crazy. And at this certain game in 1990, Michael Jordan came around and he had scored the most points he had 
in a single game up until that point in his career. 69 points in one game. Comes through, scores 69 points. It's incredible. Everyone's freaking out. And at the end of the game, um, they bring in this rookie, Stacey King. And as they bring in the rookie, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. As they bring in this rookie, Stacey King, it was um, the end of the game. He gets fouled and he shoots a free throw. Stacey King gets one point, ends the game. Bulls win. Really cool. At the end, they have a press conference. And what happens is everybody's focusing on Michael. And they say, Michael, highest scoring game of your career so far. Man, how does it feel, blah, blah, blah. And they finally get to Stacey. And they look at Stacey King and they say, man, you're playing with Michael Jordan. He just scored had the best game of his career. Like, how does it feel? And Stacey King responds and he says, I'll always remember this day as the game where Michael Jordan and I scored 70 points. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Stacey King only scored one point. Michael scored 69, but Stacey's mind says, me and Michael now, we scored 70 together. How you remember matters. Because Stacey could have chosen to remember his one point in that game. And he could have chosen to remember all the places where he was bitter and he didn't get in the game and he didn't get the credit and when he didn't get the accolades. But you know what he chose to do? He didn't choose to remember in bitterness. He chose to remember in gratitude. And I wonder what would happen if you started to remember your past, not in bitterness, not in all the people that left you, but you started to remember all the people that stayed. What if you didn't remember all the times that God didn't come through, but you started to remember all the times that he did come through? What if you started to remember all the places where God has been faithful beyond your wildest dreams? And if you had had it your way, you would have been in a ditch somewhere else. But you start to remember that I'm really thankful God didn't give me what I wanted because what I wanted isn't really what I wanted. I wanted something that wasn't really what he wanted. But as soon as I wanted what he wanted, he actually gave me what I wanted. What if you started to remember things differently? Because how you remember doesn't just shape your perspective. It shapes your living. Stacey King chose to remember that game a certain way. How do you choose to remember the faithfulness of God in your life? See, how you remember is important. And oftentimes we don't trust God because we fail to remember God. Which leads us to the intention of giving, of remembering. The intention of remembering. So we know that remembering is important, but now there's a point to it. God asks them to do this for a reason. He says, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. According to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that's 12, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You see, Israel had been brought out of Egypt. The plagues had come. They had now put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. The sea had opened up. Manna had been provided. Water had come out of a rock. And now they're wandering in the desert, about to be in the promised land. But Moses has died. And after all of these things, the Levites follow the ark, or hold the Ark of the Covenant, stand in the Jordan. The Jordan stops, and the entire nation of Israel crosses over on dry land. I'm sure they remembered to an extent, this sounds really familiar. Remember when Moses did this? Maybe God's going to do the same thing that he did then 
now. They cross over the Jordan. They get to the other side. They're in Canaan. They're in the promised land. And then at that point, after they've crossed the Jordan, God tells them to go back to the Jordan. Now, why does God tell the Israelites to go back to the thing that he just brought them over? You see, in in Scripture, he says that it is a sign among you. And when they ask, you shall tell them this. This is meant to be a sign to them and a story for them. And in Scripture, a sign is always meant to point to something greater than itself. If you look in the Gospel of John, a great example is that you find Jesus doing all of these miracles. But the way that John recounts this in the Gospel of John, he says his miracles are all called signs and wonders. And John says that signs and wonders, Jesus did all of these so that they might believe. And so a sign was not the point. A miracle was not the point. The sign was meant to point to something greater. Was meant to point to Jesus so that they might be saved. And in a similar way that a sign in scripture is meant to point to something greater, a sign we all know even naturally is meant to point to something greater. When I go to national parks, I love national parks. And you'll get to a national park and you go on these beautiful hikes and mountains and waterfalls and valleys and and roads and just the most beautiful land you'll ever see in your life. And signs are always amazing, but the signs aren't amazing because the strength of the sign isn't in the sign. The strength of the sign is what the sign points to. So you get to a national park and you're hiking and you get to this point where it says, look out right across the corner. And you get excited because you say, okay, I'm not excited because of the sign. I'm excited of what the sign is pointing to. There's a lookout over here. Or you keep walking and you get to the sign that says summit in 0.5 miles. And you get excited, not because of the sign, but because of what the sign is pointing to. Or maybe you get to a discouraging sign and you see summit or hike, incline, 37%. And then you get discouraged. Why? Not because of the sign, but because of what the sign's pointing to. Or maybe you're at the end of your hike, finally, and you see the sign that says parking lot, 500 meters. And you get excited because you get to sit in a car, not because of the sign, but because of what the sign is pointing to. And in a similar way, God is saying this right here is a sign for you. Not so that you might be encouraged to say, this is the nation of God, and these are the people of God, and God has given us this. No, but because of what the sign points to. And what, is the, what do these 12 stones point to? They're pointing to the faithfulness of God. That the same way that I was with Moses is the same way that I'll be with you. It is a sign among you. And he's saying, stack these stones, not in a name for yourself, not to claim your own land, not so that people will see you and shake in their boots, but it's a sign for you so that you will remember what I've done. It's a sign among them, and it's a story for everybody else. And he takes them back to the Jordan. Isn't it interesting that the very place of their last trial is the very place that God wants them to remember. 
the trial. They came to the Jordan. And I'm sure at one point they said, God, are you serious? Like Canaan's just on the other side and the river is flowing and we can't get across. Like, what are we going to do? And then God speaks to Joshua and they get across. But the very place of their last trial is the very place that God brings them to. Why? Because oftentimes the very place that you lost hope is the place where God will bring you back to to get hope. He's not going to say, you know what, they hurt your feelings, forget them and never think about them again. They betrayed you, good riddance. No, he'll probably take you back to that relationship. You say, God, I'm too hurt for that. He says, no, you need to be healed, so you need to go back to that. Say, God, I, 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 can't, I can't do this. Like my family, you know how I get around my family. It can't be like that around my family. It's just better if I'm not around my family. He says, no, you need to go back to your family because that's where you're actually going to find healing. Maybe the place where you lost hope is the very place God's going to bring you back to to give you hope. He brings them back to the Jordan and says, take stones from there. Take stones from that place. Take stones from the very place where you lost hope to give you hope. And this is the truth of scripture. Is that the Israelites had come to an impossible situation. And God says, do you think that I brought you this far just to leave you here? Do you think I brought you to the Jordan to leave you at the Jordan? Do you think I brought you all the way from the place where you grew up, where nobody believed in you and you had to make everything for yourself and no one in your family was a believer, but now for some reason you're sitting in church and you're trying to follow Jesus? Do you think I brought you that far to leave you here? He says, no, I didn't bring you this far to leave you, this here, to leave you right here. I brought you this far to take you somewhere. And if there's one truth that I believe God wants the Israelites to know here is that if he called you to it by his spirit, he's going to bring you through it. He's saying, I'm trustworthy. And maybe even more so, he's saying this, I'm with you. I'm still here. I'm with you. Remember what I've done. Because maybe the place where you lost hope is the place God wants you to go back to to find hope. He's saying, don't forget that place. Remember that place. Because I brought you through that place. God brought them back to build memorial stones as a sign to them and a story to their children. Why? Because stones tell stories. And all of us have stones somewhere in our life. You ever, you ever been with somebody who doesn't know your life and you took them back to where you went to high school? You took them back to like your childhood home you took them back to uh, like the wedding venue or, 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 or some really important monumental space in your life. And all of a sudden you get into that space and you just start rattling off stories. You're like for me, it, like when I went to school, I went to VCU, best school in the nation, go Rams. And when I went there um, in Richmond, didn't like it in the beginning, but learned to love it. And, and as I take people back to Richmond, I get there and like stories just start to like fill my head. Like, it, it, I, I'm walking down the street, and I'm like, man, this is the time that uh, uh, I was riding down the street on, on a longboard on Harrison Street, and, and the sidewalks in Richmond are really, really cracked, and so they're, like, horrible, and you can't even walk on them, let alone longboard on them. And so I was longboarding down the sidewalk, but I fell off my longboard, and then uh, I almost fell into the street and got hit by a car. And everyone's like, what? 
Why are you telling me this story? And you're just like, oh, and this was, this was the place where I was on Broad Street and, and Welcome Week freshman year, and, and me and my roommate almost got robbed. And you're, they're like, what are you talking about? And you just start telling stories that you don't remember. And you're like, man, this is, this is the place, man, where I, where I didn't know, but I met my best friend right at that coffee shop. Like we were talking and, and we found out we have so much in common and all of a sudden we just started, and I said, bro, like we should, we should be roommates. Or, or this was the time, I remember, man, like I, I thought I was never going to get over her because I remember she broke up with me right over there. Or, or I, remember, I remember, this is where I found out I was getting into grad school. Or, or I, rem- I remember like this is the time when I passed the class that I thought I was going to fail and I actually got to graduate and you start to just like recall, uh, do you not relate with my stories? <laughs> like no one's laughing at these. And they're just like, yeah, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> all these breakups and all these, maybe she could tell some good stories. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you start just rattling off stories. Why? Because when you get into a certain place, it's not just about the storage of information, but it's about the notion of remembering. When you get into the notion of remembering, when was the last time you were walking down the street and you just looked at your kid and you're like, you know, that was the place where I thought that we were going to have to sell our home. But I kept tithing and giving to God and, and he came through. And, and, and back there, I remember I met with my disciple back at that coffee shop because I was stuck in addiction. And I thought I was never going to get out. And he prayed for me and we fasted. And I committed myself to the Lord, and I remember I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't had a drink in 21 years. Or maybe you're the person who says, man, I, I, remember, I remember when I, uh, I gave for the first time. Our church was raising $200,000, and I'd never given before, but I decided I want to be part of something greater, so I gave, and, and I realized what it means to actually be generous with my money. Or, or I remember when I served with Grace Loves in, in September of 2022, and I'd never served before. I always went to church to receive, but this was the first time I actually went to give, give something away, and God placed a desire in my heart, and I've never been able to stop serving since. Or, or I remember when I went to that small group, even though I was 10, terrified and I didn't know what to do. All I knew is I was praying to God for community and then I found friends like I've never known before and that's why you call that person uncle is because God was faithful to his word. What stories do you tell about the faithfulness of God? Because everyone has stones and stones tell stories. What stories do you tell? What signs do you remember about how God has been faithful to you? See, there's an importance to remembering, there's an intention to remembering, and there's also an end to, to remembering. There's an end to it. Because we find Israel here, and it says, Then after that you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. A story about what God did for them. Them and all the people of God, all the people of Israel. And it's interesting because after that, Israel has a bunch of victories. Joshua leads them well. They get into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then it says in Judges that Joshua had lived a great life. Even the elders have lived a great life, faithful to God. But the book right after Joshua, Judges, is filled with maybe one of the saddest scriptures in all of the Old Testament. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, after all that God had done for them, it says, And all 
that the generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord. And you look at this scripture and you're like, wait, 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 what happened? Didn't they just have miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle? They didn't know. A generation rose up right after Joshua that didn't know God? The people of God didn't know God? And we're like, how, how did we get from here to there? Like they had, a, they had a testimony about the salvation of God. God brought them over the Jordan. He brought them out of Egypt. These are people where we sometimes like make people in scripture like this fictional character. But imagine this. They would be able to say, my grandma crossed the Jordan and she was there when the water stopped. And then the next generation says, we don't know God. You say, what happened? After God, after all that God had done for you, you... You go one generation and you forget? And I look at this scripture and I'm saying, God told them to set up stones. He told them to remember. He gave them miracles. Why? Because God knows that what we don't intentionally remember, we will unintentionally forget. What the scripture tells me is that no matter how hard you try to remember in your own strength and be faithful to God by yourself, you cannot do it alone. You can leave this building today and say, I'm going to remember God. I'm going to remember what he did for me. Now I'm going to tell stories and I'm going to make, I'm going to see signs. And if we do it in our own flesh, we might just end up like the Israelites in Judges chapter 2. Saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, you're not. Because we're weak. And our flesh is always going against God. And God calls us to remember him because we know we're prone to forget him. And it's one thing to remember the things that God has done. And it's a whole different thing entirely to actually remember God. Because you can remember that God blessed you and that he got you and that he protected you and that you're still here and that you have money and a house and a family. But if you just remember what God has done for you and you don't remember God, there will come a time where we might be just like the people in Judges 2. Where a generation rises up and they might know the things that God did, but they don't know God. You might look at yourself and say, well, what do we do then? Like, what, what, what's, what's the solution? And I can only help but remember Luke. Where we find Jesus hanging on a cross. Wrongfully hanging on a cross. And he's sitting between two thieves, one on his right and one on his left. And they start mocking him and jeering at him. And people are spitting on him. And all of a sudden, one thief is saying, man, if you are really the son of God, you should take yourself down from this cross. You really shouldn't be up here like us. And the other man looks at him and he says, man, shut up. Like, you don't know. Like, he's the son of God. And I'm, and like, he's, he doesn't deserve to be up here, but we do. And 
And he looks at Jesus and he says one simple thing. He says, Jesus, if, if you would just remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds to the thief and he says, truly I tell you this day, you will be with me in paradise. You see, the strength of your faith does come from you remembering him. But the source of your salvation comes from him remembering you. That even when you can't remember him, even when your flesh fails, even when you try your best and you still don't make it, and even when you come to the end of yourself, he's a God who says, I know that you're not faithful, but I'm not a man that I should lie. And I'm faithful to a thousand generations. And even though they in Judges chapter 2 didn't remember the Lord, the Lord remembered them. And even though this man didn't deserve to be saved by God by hanging on a cross for the things that he actually did, Jesus was merciful to him and said, I remember you. We do not gain our strength of our salvation by remembering God. We gain it from him remembering us. He says, I've chosen to remember you. And not the bad parts of you, but the parts of you that are redeemed and restored. Not the parts that everybody else knows you for, but the parts of you that I have designed and curated especially for you. Everybody else might remember the horrible parts of you, but guess what God remembers? As God sees you, he doesn't see the broken, horrible, sinful, wicked part of you. He sees you as a person who is hidden within Christ. And that comes by you surrendering your life to him. And saying, God, I don't want to be remembered by what I've done. What I've done is not comparable to what you've done. I want to be remembered by what you have done. So would you remember me, King? Not in my light, but in yours. See, there's an importance to your remembrance. And there's an intention to your remembrance. And there is an end to your remembrance. And it doesn't come by you remembering him. It comes by him remembering you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are the king. <laughs> you are the king. And you are the one who remembers us. And you are the ones who, as far as the east is from the west, you separate our sins from us. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus and who have received the forgiveness that only Jesus offers, we are forgiven and we are remembered in life, not of what we've done, but in what you have done for us. Thank you for remembering us as Jesus, as righteous and as blameless.